one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. So, middle weekend of the French Open. It is Saturday. It is the end of the British Challenge in terms of singles, Catherine Whitaker, because Carl Edmund is out. Uh, another epic contest, but from what I understand, not exactly a classic. He's gone out to Fabio Fanini in five sets. No, a really, really odd match, David. In the words of uh, Simon Briggs uh, of The Telegraph... Uh, he said, uh, on paper, great match for Nini Edmund, but in reality, um, if I weren't being paid to sit here and watch it, this is not where I would be. And I think, really, that summed up the thoughts of, uh, of very many in the stadium. That's not to say there weren't moments when the crowd really got into it, but the stadium was never full. Uh, neither player, uh, the, the the two players were, were never playing their best at any one time. Of course, there were moments of absolute brilliance for Fanini and enough to, to get him over the line. But in all honesty, I was disappointed in Kyle Edmund today and I think he is disappointed in himself because I was wrong. I thought his um, his maturity, his intensity and his stickability would, would weather the Fanini storms and it didn't. It didn't today and... Um, that's a real shame for him because uh, it was a big opportunity here and Fanini didn't play his very best match, as I say. There were patches of brilliance, but he didn't play his best match. He had his foot taped so uh, so um, much, so um, sturdily in, I think, the third set, David. It looked like he was practically wearing a cast on his foot. It was several layers of thick tape. I don't know how he managed to get any flexion in his ankle whatsoever. I mean, that must be one of the best tape jobs that a physio has ever done in the history of sport, (laughs) really. I mean, because he didn't seem to be impeded in his movement at all. Um, Kyle Edmund also had some some treatment on what looked like a, a hip injury at the time. He lay down on the court and received quite a lot of treatment. That was towards the end of the second set. Um, he, he actually ended up going on to win that set bizarrely, just one of many bizarre um, <laughs> twists and turns in the match. He said afterwards that, 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 the, injury, um, that the injury wasn't a big deal, that the uh, the, the treatment helped sufficiently and, and he wasn't impeded for the rest of the match. Um, he did because he called the trainer um, 
prior to Fanini's service game. And he did go on to break and, it. And, and also, and he just lost three, three or four games in a row. Yeah, he had, yeah. And at the time, I thought there's sort of an unwritten rule that it's unsportsmanlike to call the trainer when your opponent is about to serve. Um, and at the time, I thought, well... You make allowances for. The, I, I thought, you know, Carl's a sportsmanlike guy. The fact that he's called the trainer probably indicates that it's an urgent need. Um, but then the fact that he went on to win the set and uh, move, I, I thought, pretty pretty well, pretty unimpeded throughout the rest of the match, perhaps indicates that it wasn't quite such an urgent need. Or, on the other hand, that it was more absolutely miraculous work from the physio team <laughs> here at the French yeah, Open. The greatest physios ever. But yeah, it, it, yeah I, well, look, yeah. I, all the classic things. I don't want to take anything from away from Fanini because uh, you can't help but get into his matches. And when he's on, it is it's a sight for sore eyes. I realised I'd never really sat right up close and watched Fabio Fanini. We watched at Wimbledon um, last year, and that was was quite something when uh, we sort of caught the last couple of sets of his match against Andy Murray. But the ease with which he produces power for me is is you know that there's a lot about Fabio Fanini I don't like which I probably don't need to go into but <laughs> the ease of his power is just formidable absolutely formidable slingshot power isn't it it just sort of pings off his racket without the bludgeoning effect that 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 you see from from Edmund it's a different kind of power isn't it but but I, I mean I know what you mean it is just flashing blade stuff and uh but at the same time I, it feels to me like the match was nothing like anybody expected in any way because you, you mentioned what Simon tweeted midway through that match and at the start of it, most most of the journalists courtside and yourself and I talking last night and Charlie and I the night before, we were really raving about this match, about the potential. It's gone five sets and it just doesn't feel like it it was a spectacle at all. I mean, everybody seemed to really just be having to endure it. And it sounds like the players did as well. I mean, I, towards the end as well, I mean, it, it befuddled me because I, I said to you on when we were texting about it that I felt as though Kyle Edmonds' sort of meat and potatoes basic game just keep on coming would would probably get the job done there. Uh, and I was wrong. So, you know, credit to Fanini. Yeah, and I, I thought... I. I thought the same, you know, when we discussed the match in preview yesterday. I thought, you know, over best of five, exactly the the intensity, the relentlessness, the style of play of Kyle Edmund and his physical strength would would give him the edge in the longer match. But um, I really got that wrong. And uh, yeah, I, yeah, you've let me down. God, what's Kyle. he doing? <laughs> Goodness me. me. And I'll tell you who else he's let down, the the length of the ordeal that was that match um, uh, means that the whole schedule on Suzanne Longland Court, they've had a pretty a nightmare throughout the um, seven days of the tournament so far with, with scheduling not exactly going to plan. The whole schedule is out of whack. Of course, the resumption of Monfils and Goffin, of course, David, that ended up going to five sets. <laughs> and now uh, they're only just at the start as we record here of... Uh, Arena Camelia Begu and Caroline Garcia. And then there's still scheduled to be Serena Williams and Yulia Gerges and Isner against Pierre Huguebert to come. I mean, there is absolutely no way Isner and Hebert are taking to Suzanne Longland Court today. Whether they'll move that match or just carry it over, I don't know. But uh, the ordeal that was the five sets of Fanini and Edmund has uh, 
ruin things for everyone today except Fabio Fanini. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, we'll get on to the rest of the women's draw in a moment because Maria Sharapova had a fantastic win today. But, but just sticking with the men for now... Um, you know, totally different in terms of ordeal length was Rafael Nadal against uh, uh, Richard Gasquet. But it remains an ordeal for, for Gasquet, doesn't it? Because, I mean, what is it, 16-0, the head-to-head now. And, I mean, he barely got games today against Nadal. It was... It, it was almost unfair to put him through it, it seemed, at times. It's a, it's a depressing match to watch, in all honesty. Watching somebody, watching somebody of Gasquet's calibre walk onto court against anybody knowing that that you know he's he think he he's not even be able to been able to convince himself one iota that he can win that match there's something quite bleak about that there was a, an immensely amusing tweet uh, yesterday from Hannah Wilkes who is pretty much consistently entertaining on Twitter but she said uh, you can keep your best of three versus best of five debate I'm going I'm going to be over here starting a petition to make Nadal versus Gasquet best of zero explain to me the point of even playing that match and um, yeah look I know that sounds harsh but if Gasquet believed then maybe we would all believe a bit more the problem is that Gasquet doesn't believe, does he? I mean, I think it's been 10 years, David, since he's won a set from Nadal. I mean, it's it's just just horrible. It's absolutely horrible to watch. And um, I know they couldn't, they couldn't really downgrade the scheduling of that match because Nadal has already played once on Longlen. And, and I think, you know, that's seen as everyone, Rafa included, as his one and only trip out there for the tournament. But, I mean, at, and on paper, you know, Nadal against Gasquet, great, you know, top seed, 10-time champion against uh, a high-ranked Frenchman, brilliant. But no, I mean, they should have... (laughs) They should have hidden it away on court sixteen or something. It was, oh, it was all, it was all a shame. Catherine, are you, are you saying they should have stuck world number one Rafael Nadal on court eighteen, like they put world number one Simona Halep on court eighteen? If I was choosing which match involving a world number one to put on court eighteen today, David, I wouldn't have gone for Simona Halep against Andrea Petkovic. Put it that way. Which is still going on and has produced a 7-5 first set to, to Halep. So it's obviously been a good competitive contest so far. Look, I mean, nobody here is saying we should be putting Nadal on court 18. Absolutely um, and, not. And yes, he certainly has won lots and lots of grand slams, which Simona Halep hasn't. But I, I just, you know, I, I asked early on today, could anybody remember any male world number one in history that has been stuck on court 18, a reigning world number one. And, I mean, this went on for some time. Nobody seemed to be able to come up with it. Lots of people... Yeah, you had a lot of replies, David. A lot of people with a lot to say, but nobody with an actual answer to your question. Yeah, the the closest anybody actually got, and I do remember this one, was 1993, Pete Sampras, when he'd just taken over as world number one at Wimbledon. He he was put on, I think, court 14 on the last 16 day, on the Monday, against Andrew Foster of Britain. And he did not like it at all. He, He got really angry angry about that that court scheduling um i remember at the time um but i remember yelena yankovic when she was a, a world number one uh, she was put out on court 18 at wimbledon and she was very very unhappy about that at the time obviously she wasn't a, a grand slam champion um never ended up being a grand slam champion but those yeah that was the one that, that sprung to my mind but um but no i I don't believe it 
I don't think it would happen to, to a men's world number one. But, you know, there'll be plenty of people that say, you've got no proof for that. There's, you know... Anyway. Anyway. Anyway, another so day, David. It, lo- it looks like, well, Halep has won the first set. That much we do know. Um, what else has happened in the men's draw today? Because Marin Cilic was winning last time I saw. Kevin Anderson got a win today as well. Uh, I saw Borna Choric going down. Yeah, the big servers are quietly quietly making their way through the draw, David. Kevin Anderson uh, through to the round of 16. He beat uh, Misha Zverev in four sets. Marin Cilic beat Steve Johnson. They've just been quietly rumbling along. I think it's Nobody two sets to love, anything. isn't it? They're still, I think they're still going on. But Goffan, I'm really impressed with Goffan fighting back to win against... The uh, Steve Johnson match? I think I think Cilic has won, hasn't he? Has he? No. Okay. Well, uh, Goffan, two sets to one down I think he was against Monfils didn't he come back and he was it? match points down he David he points. was match points down wow. and that match set the site here at Roland Garros alight more than any other I've seen this week not just the stadium but the corridors of Roland Garros filled with people staring at the big screen throughout sort of throughout really most of the fourth and fifth sets of that it was a bit of a nightmare for us actually because there is not a whole lot of spare space in the outdoor areas here at Roland Garros so when they fill up with hordes of crowds um, you pretty much cannot move an inch so uh, it's a bit of a a claustrophobic situation but um, it it, it, I mean the roars and everything were incredible it was spine tingling stuff uh, less so for the French crowd when Monfils ended up losing it but little David Goffin David isn't he great they've had a rubbish day today the French haven't they I mean because they lost Luca Puy to Karen Hatchinov as well we've just been talking about Gasquet's defeat and now they've lost Monfils but I mean I love David Goffin I just love watching him I love the way he refuses to play along with with the local uh, fervor and desire for the the home favorite he stands up for himself he's not a big guy but he stands up for himself and he takes it to the opponent and he's just such a joy to watch he's not flashy but he's just a brilliant tennis player yeah I agree I love him probably one of the best if not the best backhand down the line in the business I had I think yesterday I probably would have said the best but having having watched Fabio Fanini uh, in in the flesh today I'm just hesitating on that but it is certainly one of the best um, and I yeah I just Nishikori yeah, as well yeah look that there are others but Goffans is right up there absolutely right up there it is yeah um, and yeah I just love the way he goes about his business I love the way he's basically quite a serious guy but then every now and then he has this sort of wry knowing smile I don't know I just think he's I think he's great especially when you think about what happened to him here last year where he left the place in a wheelchair pretty much um yeah, yeah. I mean it was, that was only last year last year that he um and that was falling over the tarpaulin over the tarpaulin wasn't it? at the back of the court um yeah a an incident that I never ever wish to see a replay of again because uh it looked absolutely hideous, and and yet somehow he actually came back pretty quickly, didn't he? But uh, yeah, I I um, I need to apologise, David, because Steve Johnson is hanging in there. I uh, I hand He's I handed him <laughs> his uh, his L card a little bit too soon. He is four all yeah, in the you, third, two sets. You to got lockdown. him on the plane home. Yeah, sorry, Steve. Incident <laughs> that reminds me of a quote uh, Richard Evans tweeted out today. 
Um, Richard Evans, a, a very well-respected, uh, long-standing tennis journalist. He had a chance to chat to Andre Agassi today, who I think is in town with Steffi Graf, uh, doing some bits and bobs of uh, sponsor stuff here in Paris. Um, Richard Evans asked him what he would do if he were playing um, Rafael Nadal uh, here in Paris this year, and he said, phone up Air France and book myself a flight <laughs> home. Well, I tell you, it's it's a good line, but I, but I tell you... It, a peak on Dragacy, it would be fascinating. It really would. Tell us what you think at Tennis Podcast. Peak Andre Agassi against Rafael Nadal on clay. Could he do it? Could he take out Nadal in one day? That's what I want to know. Uh, it's one of those impossible to answer questions that Catherine enjoys so much. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, I, I can tell you the answer, David, and that's that we will never, ever know, and it's pointless. I, I do remember when they played <laughs> but, each other you know. towards the end of Agassi's career, and he said he, he decided that he, his strategy was to, to belt the backhand cross-court as fast as he could into the Nadal forehand, assuming that that would make Nadal late on the shot and put up a sort of short forehand for him to put away. And he said, lo and behold, it did work. The problem was there was so much weird spin on the ball that when it bounced, I didn't know where to put my feet to hit my... My backup shots. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mats Valander in uh, commentary on Eurosport today was actually getting pretty annoyed, not just with, with Richard Gasquet. He was, you know, the example in front of him. But he was just annoyed with opponents of Nadal in general, that they don't try anything, that they just seem to, to rock up on court and think, well, I'll just play my game and hope I'll have a good day. When we all seem to know that nobody's good day is going to be good enough against Rafael Nadal unless he's having a bad day and just hoping that he has a bad day at Roland Garros is is not good enough really i think you know he he wants to see some some yeah something like that some really concerted tactics you know a bit like uh, that that Australian Open match when uh, Gilles Simon came out just 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 softballing slowballing um yes Novak Djokovic that year, yeah, and took it to five, and just it was really sort of an arresting sight seeing somebody, seeing somebody do that and just completely commit to what looks like a very bizarre Actually, tactic, you know, that. and comes back to the drop shot and the and the you know the drop shot return and all of that. Like, try something because going forehand to forehand with Rafael Nadal. Not good enough. Belle- no Belleli kind of did it first round, didn't he? He sort of decided, well, I'm just going to tee off, and I d- I'm not even going to worry about it. If I miss, so be it, you know. And it got him, it got him close actually in that third set. Um, but I do yeah. feel that Nadal is playing a different level right now to what he was playing even in that first round. So um, yeah, good luck, everybody. Thirty-four sets in a row. He's won here, David. Thirty-four. Wow. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Talking to people who are playing at a different level, Maria Sharapova today, was it 6261 over Karolina Pliskova? Yeah. I mean, you tell me, it, and I, I think that, that that overlapped with the Edmund match, so how much of it you saw, you, you tell me. But, I mean, that is not a scoreline I expected. Is that Sharapova playing to the peak of her powers? Is that Pliskova not showing up? Is it a bit of both? I only saw points here and there, but every time I looked up, I was seeing... Maria Sharapova thrash a winner from either wing. At one point, I see I saw her hit a forehand winner with her left hand. You know how she does that thing where she is stretched out wide on the backhand side and she transfers the racket into her other hand. Uh, well, yeah, that's yeah, when yeah. you know that that Maria Sharapova is really cooking, and that's what was happening today. Um, and yeah, she just got the first strike in every time. It was so positive from Sharapova. It was that laser-like intensity, the sort of look in, in your eye that you, 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 you just wouldn't want to lock eyes with her because you'd feel terrified. But um, I I am struggling to contain, I, with apologies to Yulia Gerges, David, I'm struggling to contain the, uh, the my desire for Sharapova Serena to happen. In the next yeah. round, I, I can't, I can't keep a lid on it. I will <laughs> exclaim or implode or something if Yulia Gerges ruins the party. And I really like you, Yulia Gerges. I really do. And she's playing great, and she probably deserves to to make the second week here. But just go away, just go away, and don't ruin our fun. But I mean, we, we should say as well, there's, a, there's going to be a lot of you listening to us and saying, well, what are you asking this for? We know Serena Williams has won or we know Yulia Gerges has won. Well, unfortunately, we can't, we can't wait until that match finishes to record today, just logistically. What we can do, though, Catherine, is one of those sort of... I might not even finish today, David, frankly. Yes. So. Well, one of those either-or uh, questions that you and I sometimes have to ask tennis players, uh, you know, when, when we don't know the identity of the next opponent yet uh, as to what's going He's on the other end of the phone. That's Alex Gretcha jogging past me. Oh. Says to say hello to David. Hello, Alex. <laughs> nice to see you. I mean, he literally is jogging past me. Oh dear. Um, I don't know if he's out for a run. Or... So, what, anyway. one of these, one of these either-or questions. I mean, I, I felt the moment I saw that Sharapova result, it just occurred to me. You know, what is what is it now? It's about thirteen years, fourteen years since Sharapova beat Williams, and 
It's 13 and a half, yeah. isn't it? I think it was October 2004. It's a long time, isn't it? And, and I mean, it's, I, mean I, don't, I can't even remember what the head-to-head is. I mean, it must be about 15 or something like that matches. I, I can't remember the, 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 more. the number exactly. I think more than that, yeah. It's an incredible number. It's all Serena Williams, and she seems to play out of her skin even better than her normal self when she's got Sharapova on the other side of the net. It just feels to me that... Sharapova's really coming into form. Serena Williams is obviously short of, of full match fitness and, and short of timing, I would imagine, to some degree as well. You're never going to get a better time for Serena Williams to beat Sharapova if, if she has got there, indeed, when you're listening to this. That's what I thought, anyway, when I first saw it. What did you think? I agree, yeah. All of the circumstances level the playing field for me um it yeah she, if she can't do it tomorrow she might as well pack up and go home and take a, a Richard Gasquet approach to things uh because yeah this is yeah she's had the playing field completely leveled for her if not tipped in her favor however I think Serena's desire not to lose to Sharapova should that match happen will be so great that it will just bring out some sort of weird wild animal in her Mm. i I really do um it is going to be if it happens the most perfect barometer imaginable of where serena williams is at because we know she will produce the very best that she is able to produce at the moment in in the current stage of her comeback for that match so yeah that that will it will be the marker of where she's at and uh I don't know the answer to where she's at. No. She might not be at a place where she can beat Yulia Gerges no, well, well, and all well, of this well, section of the podcast will have well, to we'll know that hit the cutting room floor. Yeah. But I, I mean, the, the, the good thing is I think that well, that match is next going to be on Monday, isn't it? So we've got we've got tomorrow to preview it when, once we know it properly. Um, but that's... Do you know another bit of the podcast that can hit the cutting room floor, David? Ah. The bit where I corrected myself and apologised to you and to Steve Johnson because he has just lost a marriage to Lich and Straits. Okay, all right. Well, you know, it, it, this is a kind of live podcast, people. I hope you're enjoying it. We're, <laughs> things are happening as we speak. We don't know everything, as you can tell. We don't even know opponents of people yet, but uh, we, we're giving it to you as we get it. Um, what else has happened today in the women's draw that, that has struck you? I mean, i tell you one thing that really... I noticed early on today was that win for Annette Kontaveit over Petra Kvitova. Now, I think that the headline there is Petra Kvitova, somebody who'd won all those matches in a row, who we were all talking about as a a potential finalist in this tournament or or better, is out. That's the headline. But I saw Kontaveit a couple of weeks ago and... I was so impressed. I mean, I think she's she's a, a really interesting person. She's she's so watchable in terms of her personality. She's really bubbly and 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 forceful and and up for it and happy out there. She looks like she's just born to compete. Very very good player. I saw a bit Caroline Wozniacki in Rome a few weeks ago. She also speaks in a in a very British English accent because she spent a lot of time in Britain training there. So it's quite comical to listen to her interview. But there. She she is i think it's, it's estonia she's from isn't it and and there she is she she's, is, she's yeah. gone and beaten petra kvitova i mean a heck of a result yeah in straight sets no less um uh, two tie break sets eight six in the first tie break seven four in the second so yeah she's obviously playing the big points well um you, you know that's a shootout uh Kontivate and kvitova i didn't see much of it i saw kvitova impress afterwards and she was very philosophical about it i mean it's that's part of her sort of new approach to tennis post-trauma, I think. But, 
yeah, she certainly was, you know, disappointed to lose, but was able to have a, a good deal of perspective on it. There was plenty of smiling in the press conference and, and all of that. And I think she knows she lost to somebody that's kind of capable of beating anybody um, in Annette Contevay. I'm just trying to look up the draw to see who she plays next. I think next. it's Sloane Stevens. It next, is Sloane Stevens, who, speaking of people that are playing the big points well, won through 8 6 in the third against Camilla Georgie today. Yeah. After losing, I think, the first set really quite heavily as well um, or, or losing the first set and then I think Sloane Stevens turned it around and won the second set heavily and then it was as you say 8-6 in the third um, and I mean we, we, we've said here on the podcast that few people have picked Sloane Stevens to win this title yet I could see Contivate beating her if she it depends I mean depends which version of those two players gets out on the court uh, certainly with Stevens I think Contivate will give her best of herself regardless because she's a pretty reliable player yeah, um, but yeah. I, I think that's a good point she is she is somebody that always gives gives the best of of herself yeah I th- yeah reliable I like it um Elise Merton speaking of which she's through to the fourth round uh where she'll play Simona Halep who's just won through against uh, Andrea Petkovic I think that might have been a retirement actually looking at how quickly oh, right. that's ended I know Petkovic was having treatment out there on She's been 18. having long matches as well, I think. It wasn't a retirement. It was a six-love second set. That is a shame. Oh, right. Big shame. Well, Simona Halep, my pick for the title, still going. But I tell you what, a lot of people's pick for the title now. We've mentioned Sloane Stevens. A lot of people are talking about Garbini Magarutha suddenly. And well, we, they we, are now. Yeah. But they weren't necessarily before the tournament. No, but it no. does seem like something's happened to Garbini Magarutha. It, it's, it's happening, isn't it? Love and two against Sam Stozer at a former finalist here, love and two, absolutely bruising from Muguruza. I mean, I still think she can go off the boil as quickly as as she's come onto it. But uh, but yeah. Well, she could end up playing the winner of that Stevens Gergers. Uh, sorry, not Stevens. Uh, Serena Williams Gergers Sharapova section. Yeah, I mean, her next opponent, Lisa Serenko, with with all the respect in the world. Muguruza, the heavy, heavy favourites come through that. And then, yeah, it's the winner of the Sharapova slash Gerges slash Williams match, which, again, I desperately want to see. I want to see, sorry, sorry, Serenko and uh, Gerges, but I want to see Muguruza against Serena slash Sharapova. There are so many good matches to look forward to. Catherine, uh, anything else uh, you want to talk about that you've enjoyed today, that you've seen today, anybody you've spoken to before we sign off for another one? Uh, no, well, the, the the two people I spoke to today were all related to, to Kyle Edmund, who is no longer... <laughs> A relevant force uh, in this year's French Open. Are people pretty disillusioned from a British press standpoint with with that performance? Are they surprised? Uh, they're disillusioned. There was, there was Is he? Head, there was surprised? head scratching. Certainly, obviously disappointment. You know, you see the faces of the of the freelance journalists in particular, seeing their you know their their income for the next week. You know, tumble away before their very eyes. They they rely on on being given space column inches in papers and um, for a lot of papers if there's no how could you do there's it no Brits, <laughs> there's no Brits right yeah sorry you have literally destroyed the livelihood of a number of very well respected journalists <laughs> and how appalling um, what's the what's the Yorkshire journalist going to do now oh he's going to just have to camp out in every Zverev conference oh he is he is not Brit he doesn't care what nationality you are uh, representing David he will go to any press conference and 
guarantee will make it more entertaining than it otherwise would be. Brilliant, brilliant. Catherine. That much is guaranteed. Great stuff. Well, still a bit more tennis to enjoy today. Then it's cheese board time. Obviously, we have been the Tennis Podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph. We are daily every single night of the French Open, of course, and all the Grand Slams and Queens as well, the Fever Tree Championships in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, We are brought to you also in association with our executive producers, Melanie Bowes, Triple S, TennisBalls.com, our mascot, uh, Charlie the Ferret. We're having some fantastic tennis castaways uh, applications being sent in on social media. Pictures of yourself. Tennis podcastaways. They're going, they're going so well. They're going so well. Got to get the hashtag right, David. Oh, right, right. Hashtag tennis podcastaways. How could I not get that right? But anyway, that's what you need. Um, and uh, yeah, show us your passion for for the show by wearing your t-shirt watching tennis uh having a cocktail on a beach whatever it might be just show the tennis podcast or on your phone whatever it might be leave us a review as well on itunes tell everybody you know about the show get everybody listening that you know and we'll speak to you tomorrow hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.